And we want to thank all of you for helping to keep the music alive also. We are, after all, listener-supported music radio. And without you guys, we simply would not be here. In one of the greatest jazz cities in the country, Detroit, with one of the greatest and now one of the oldest jazz festivals in the country, the Detroit Jazz Festival, 42nd annual happening this year. And uh, if all goes according to plan, we'll be back live in downtown Detroit. And here to talk about it with me is the president and artistic director of the Jazz Festival, Chris Collins. It's so great to really see you. Yes, we're in the same room, John. I know, Big what that, a concept. Man. You know, and it was it's funny because we did uh, I did do an interview with you for uh, Detroit Public Television a while ago, which was virtual. And at that time, I said that you were actually one of the last live faces I had seen at the Miracle at the Marriott, which was last year's festival uh, downtown. And uh, so now, yes, we're here and we're live and face to face. And I love it. I'm so excited about the festival actually happening. I know it's a little crazy this year, but tell us a little bit. There's three stages. Yeah. So uh, just give us a kind of an outline of what the plan is, what the footprint is like, and what it's going to be. Well, you know, the footprint is very uh, familiar to everybody. We're on the north end all the way up to uh, Cadillac Square with the Chase Main Stage, and then we go through all the way back to Hart Plaza with the Carhartt Amphitheater Stage, and then we'll have the Absopure Stage in a slightly different location, and it's part of our health and safety protocols and yeah. ways of spreading people out and things. But the programming is is intense, and uh, it's uh, what people would expect. There's uh, uh, there's there's overlap as always, so you have to pick and choose a little bit, but uh, plenty of places to wander and be surprised and experience uh, the fullness of the city while you're down there, and that great family energy that we always feel at the Jazz Festival. No, it's it's just a wonderful thing. I mean, this kind of festival couldn't really happen in many other places um, because, as we've talked about before and as many of us have discussed, I mean, the appreciation for jazz, a lot of it has to do with music education. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the appreciation for it is so great here. People get it. They, they really do, and all, and all the artists around the world will tell you yes, they, will. they love playing in Detroit. They come to the Detroit Jazz Festival, and they have some of the best audiences they'll ever have. And I'll tell you, in addition to the incredible connectivity that jazz has with our community here, which is an important piece. This isn't, as I always say, uh, it's not just a jazz festival in a city. It's it's in one of the great jazz cities, the Detroit Jazz Festival. But in addition to that, you have... Uh, the fact that it's entirely free with no admission yeah. creates this wonderful, you know, we all talk about inclusivity and diversity, but really to, to take that piece away, that financial piece away, suddenly everyone has access. You have an incredibly diverse and mixed audience at every level. And I think that adds to the uh, real beauty of the audience and the way they react and interact with one another and with the artists. Oh, no question about it, because people don't have to worry about, you know, a $60 ticket price or something, which is what happens in in a lot of jazz clubs. So you kind of limit who can see it, but everybody uh, can come downtown uh, to hear this festival. So you said that the uh, Absopure stage will be there, but that suggests to me that the pyramid stage is not going to be used this year. Is well, that- we're 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 always we're, you know this is ever evolving as right. you said. But you know one of the most important things we wanted to do is uh, when we were we were very slow to go back to in person. Even when the oh, governor yeah. lifted the mandates, a lot of places. Well, we're back to normal. We didn't do that because we're very sensitive to the uniqueness of our city, uh, the vaccine uptake challenge that we have in this area, and how that affects us and. We really wanted to make sure that we maintained the health and safety reputation we've had for 42 years. So the idea of having passive health and safety opportunities, and to me, that means 
places for people to spread out, right. overflow locations where people can still enjoy the concert even if they may not have line of sight, and even things like uh, our, our app, the Detroit Jazz Fest Live, and um, a companion broadcast that will be free to the public that will allow people, if they just decide uh, you know, they have a, a reason for not wanting to come in person, they'll have other options to access. And I think all this works together in the way we laid out the footprint and open up certain places of Hart Plaza and Woodward Avenue to allow for that kind of distancing to take place. And, and that's, a, that's a very important issue right now. We sure. are outside, which is wonderful. Yes. And, of course, we encourage people, those, especially those not vaccinated, to wear a mask to protect yourself. And, yeah. and anyone who, who cares to wear a mask certainly do so. But, uh, but also having that space so we're not butt to gut all the time. And uh, there's options to view and hear the concert. I think that's really important so that everybody doesn't feel like they have to cram into a small place and then get up off their seat and, and run over to the other stage to get this or that. There's going to be some wonderful ways to enjoy that from right where you are. Well, can you talk about that just a little bit? I'm just curious about one of the, some of these uh, innovations that you're talking sure. about. Well, you could imagine, uh, for instance, a set finishes. Uh, you're at the uh, Cadillac Square. You're, you just heard a wonderful set at the Chase stage. And there's a set lighting up over at Carhartt. Well, we're going to have uh, uh, new screen installations at the stages, at the Carhartt stage, the amphitheater, and at the Chase stage. We're working on a, a screen at the, the Spirit Plaza area, another screen in the Campus Martius area. And there's going to be great seating, great sound, typical great sound systems. And uh, this will give people an opportunity. They don't have to leave their seat. They can sit there for that 45 minutes or an hour until the next show comes up at their stage and still hear and see everything in a beautiful way uh, uh what's going on at those other stages and this is this is a very important piece even at uh, Hart plaza you could imagine having screens on the back of what we call our front of house stack which is right. that huge tower at the back of right. the seating area but if there's a screen facing out towards the fountain towards Hart plaza with a great sound system and timed you know speakers and everything so it's not off sync with the performance um, man, you can hang out in a big, beautiful, open, breezy space by the river and hear and see everything in a, on a big screen that's going on down there at the stage. These are really uh, healthy and positive options for people. i got to tell you, Chris, I mean, I know, I mean, we talked about it, but I knew even before you got here that this year's festival particularly has to be one of the most challenging it is. Uh, that you guys have ever done it, it, for, for anyone in the business you know the industry something like i say some places have just gone full bore you know but uh like you said you you coined the phrase miracle at the marriott last year we did something that no one thought we could do and uh, i gotta tell you the crew the team the craftsmen here in the city of course all the great musicians it was all live it was 40 hours plus it reached a million people 32 countries around the world i mean yeah, we we got some great awards and downbeat. Yeah, jazz the times. Detroit. Well, the, yeah. I mean, you got the Detroit Music Award for the best virtual. That, live that was an important one for sure. Oh yeah. And uh, you know this idea that uh, you have to make changes, you have to roll with the punches, and you don't do anything that's inappropriate to do, but you do what you can to keep the art and the music alive because it's an important part of our lives. And as we all felt this year, we began to recognize those things that make our lives beautiful and fun. And of course, music is a part of that. And so we did take the step, uh, the, the city, the state, everybody is encouraging, uh, you know, these in-person things. But we, we took a couple other steps to make sure we've done it in the healthiest and safest way possible, but also in a way that it really is going to be an in-person Detroit Jazz Festival with that feeling, that vibe, that energy, that great connectivity with the artists. But 
with some things in place that are really going to help all of us stay healthy through it all. And, of course, uh, the major draw is, of course, the music. And the music this year is phenomenal. I'll just uh, run off, and we'll talk about some of these artists as we go along. But uh, we're going to have uh, Kenny Barron with a trio. Anat Cullen, who I played earlier. Herbie Hancock, we'll talk about him in a little (laughs) bit. And uh, just so many others. Um, Abdullah Ibrahim is going to be here. You know, there's been a change there, oh, and I will okay. announce it on your show. Yeah, we, right. it's a very recent change. Um, we uh, uh, Abdullah was um, not feeling great, and, of yeah. course, he's got to travel from Europe, and uh, we all made the decision at his age at this point with the way he was feeling it would be best to wait. And we will, I promise you, I've been wanting to have him for a long time, sure. and we're already talking about next year. But in, in place, we have something uh, uh, just just that's going to be pretty beautiful, which is Monty Alexander is oh. bringing his large ensemble. Well, then. And i got to tell you, just a quick, the quick anecdote, just because you've got such a hip audience, he called me to talk to me about how important, how important Bags was to him, and his Detroit connection through Bags, yeah. and how he's going to, you know, even though you know people are known, he's known for the Caribbean thing and the Kingston, you know, he came from straighthead stuff. He just swings, man. He swings like crazy, and he said he's going to bring some of Bags and some of that early Detroit vibe with him on the stand on 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 Monday. So it's going to be pretty special, and and uh, there's no replacement for Abdul Ibrahim. But at the same time, we, we had an opportunity to bring Monty in. So that's going to be That's going to be great because I, you know, worked the stage uh, last time he was in town. Yes, sir. And uh, it was just a ball, and he was so much fun. And he spent a lot of time talking about Detroit. Yes. And how important it is to him. Real affinity with that. And, and we, we also this year, it reminds me, we have the 100th celebration of uh, Dave Brubeck's birth, oh, yeah. his birthday with uh, the Brubeck brothers and Jerry Berganzi. And they're bringing some film footage that the family has selected of wow. all sorts of different moments. And the reason I bring up Dave, Dave is one of those guys, he, he, they wanted him to do a live album near the end of his life. And he said the only place he would do it was the Detroit Jazz Festival wow. because of the audiences and the vibe. He felt it here like wow. that. So th- th- it's a really good, good yeah. thing. Man. All right. Now, in addition, I mean, let's talk about your artist in residence because I want to yeah. play a tune from her, Dee Dee Bridgewater. Man. This has been a heck of a year. And a roller coaster for her with you guys, too, I imagine. And you, you're, you're absolutely right. And she's down in uh, New Orleans. So for the past two years, you know, and, and for about a year and a half before that, her and I were talking. And you may have seen in April when we had her in, she did a wonderful set. And she learned that the uh, downstairs venue of the Gretchen Vallee Jazz Center, Miss Vallee, is calling it Dee Dee Bridgewaters. And, you know, she's oh. going to be a, a real part of our community moving forward. So, um, uh, but the music, the special things she wanted to do, the kind of preparation it takes to do that, you know, it it, it was really a kick in the shins uh, <laughs> last year. And uh, yeah. we worked through it. She's got all kinds of energy and excitement. And, you know, she brings such a rare creativity as a vocalist, yeah. her understanding of all, all the elements of of musicianship that that has to be uh, in place, and of course her focus uh, this year, m- much like much of her life, is um, is on uh, women in jazz and women leaders sure. in jazz, and uh, that's going to be an important part of what she presents. So it should be uh, very exciting. She's got three sets, and they're all very different. Very different. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about it, and I thought we'd play a little bit of D.T. Bridgewater here. And as you said, she's been in New Orleans for the last couple of years, and uh, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Uh, she redid and did a version of the uh, theme song for that. That would be Treme. Except, except that isn't it. This is what happens when you do live radio. Sometimes, you know, you, you skip things and it goes to the wrong track. And I had this thing all set up and it didn't want to go. And uh, 
Really? It was supposed to be. Let's see. Well, you know, we can play. Uh, that was St. James Informers. This is very confusing to me because it says what it's supposed to be. And I can figure this out. I can do it by time. Look at the fingers fly. Ah, uh, yes. Well, you, you sometimes you don't want to see them fly because of the way they fly. But, of course, this is radio, so we don't have to worry about it. Let's try this one more time. This is Dee Dee Bridgewater and Treme. Thank you. 
you want. On Jazz Fest Detroit, Dee Dee Bridgewater. And along with her, Irwin Mayfield. The CD came out in 2015 called Dee Dee's Feathers. And that was the theme to one of my favorite TV series of all time on HBO called Treme. And, of course, Dee Dee is the artist in residence uh, for the Detroit Jazz Festival this year. I'm John Penny here with the president of the Detroit Jazz Festival, artistic director Chris Collins. It's so great to see you in person, face-to-face. I mean, you're the first guest I've had in the studio since we actually canceled uh, last year's 2020 spring fun drive i noticed i had to dust off the guest microphone yes, yes <laughs> we weren't sure if it still worked you know <laughs> so so Dee Dee's here and she's going to be doing three different sets That's right. so tell me about them well she's going to be opening the festival with something called uh, um the woodshed ladies which is one of her big projects big programs she brings up uh, young women leader artists from all different parts of the country, and uh, she works with them and trains them, and then she supports them afterwards. She's putting this wonderful band together, and she's curating this opening set that's going to be, you know, the first time we've heard it in this iteration. And then uh, um, uh, she's going to be doing an incredible, uh, beautiful uh, duet with her, just her and Bill Charlap. Oh, wow. Place. Just the two of them. You know, that's going to be really yes. special. And uh, and then uh, uh, closing the festival, she's put together um, an all-women big band of all kinds of various music, some of her stuff, some other stuff. And um, it's going to be featuring, again, some of the uh, wonderful um, uh, young women uh, jazz musicians coming up across the country that she's assembled just for this gig. That's really good, and I'm really happy. To, I mean, she's been doing that, obviously. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of attention, uh, Terry Lynn has been doing a lot, and she's made it a mission of hers also right. uh, to uh, support women in jazz. We've got the new Artemis Project that Weenie Rossness put together. Yes. I'm wondering if yes. she's coming with Bill since they're married, but who knows? Could be uh, you know, and I just played because it's Linda Yan's birthday today. Happy birthday, So Linda. I heard. Happy birthday, Linda. Yeah, so I had to play some of Ellen Rose uh, octet uh, cool. for her tonight. So anyway, uh, we're talking about the uh, Detroit Jazz Festival, which will be happening live uh, in downtown Detroit. Uh, this Labor Day weekend. September 3 through 6. Looking forward to it. And on opening night, as you said, we're going to hear Dee Dee Bridgewater. And we're also going to hear one of the all-time giants. If there's any single musician who I could say has kind of led my trajectory through this music, it would be Herbie Hancock. Oh, yeah. And talk about a musician. I mean, that all of us jazz cats love and study. And he feeds every one of us. And, and on top of that, He's made this, this, um, this, uh, uh, you know, uh, heavy presence in American music in general. Oh, I yeah. mean, you know, we were talking about um, the Blue Note years, but you know, I think about uh, like when he did the the, the River uh, album, yes. the Letters of Joni, and you know, talk about a diverse-minded individual. You know, I know we all know he studied classical and. Who he cites as his influences and what guided him are is always fascinating. It's really depth and br- it has breath to it. The stuff he did for television and film is, oh, yeah. is super successful. But I mean, here's a here's a jazz, a hardcore jazz musician that that won you know that won Grammy for the best album of the year. I, I don't know if it's ever been. Done. I don't think it has yeah, since then. I mean, and that's for the river with uh, that, the Joni Mitchell. Exactly right. And it was not the best jazz album of the year. It was the album of the year. Exactly. And when you listen to it, it man, it's Herbie it and is. it's textural yeah. and it's emotional. It's beautiful and it appealed to the whole world. That's some crazy stuff, yeah. man. I and mean, it's not just the piano playing, but it's interesting because if you go through his Blue Note career, he starts with the trio. Mm. And every record, he adds a couple more players. It's like he's successful enough 
that they'll allow him to do that. Yes. And so he's just doing some beautiful stuff with the harmonic voices. I've never been able to ask him the question, but the urban legend is that when he was learning about harmony, he listened to the high-lows. The high-lows, that's absolutely true. Okay, actually. that's yeah. what I thought, but I've never had a chance to, to ask him oh, that. Oh, yeah, he said he got a lot. In fact, we were talking about um, um, Speak Like a Child, one of the Blue yeah. Note one of the Blue Note uh, series records, and it's um, he, he specifically at one point cited uh, a lot of the harmonic stuff that people heard him bring into that came from his study uh, of the high-lows and, and the arrangers behind that. And that's, uh, you know, that's what I mean. I mean, you, yeah. when you first hear that, you go, really? Really? <laughs> right, yeah. You know, and he's, of course, you know, when he came out with, uh, you know, the Headhunters and that group and yeah. took jazz to a whole different place, I wouldn't call it fusion. I'd call it something Something funky, else, man. You know, yeah. and actually one of, I think one of the most innovative records for me at the time, because I was, you know, learning and doing jazz radio, but when he came out with Fat Albert Rotunda, yeah. That one really blew me away because all of the funky stuff was boogaloo and jazz. Yeah, yeah. And then Herbie came along and did that. But I am going to play a tune from Speak Like a Child. Cool. And it's going to feature Herbie. This is the one trio tune on that record. This was the first record, new record, that came into the radio station when I was starting to do jazz wow. radio. Very cool. Uh, and it was like, okay. 660 what? Sixty it would have been sixty seven. Sixty seven. Sixty seven. And uh, you know, I did the Saturday night show, which was called uh, Jazz Nocturne. Mm-hmm. And the guy who did the Friday night show, his show was called Maiden Voyage. Ah. And as it turned out, about half the radio programs in the country, jazz programs were at that time called Maiden Voyage. Mm-hmm. That's how important uh, that Herbie's music was. But we're gonna listen to a trio tune here and it just swings. This one is called First Trip. Thank you. 
That's Herbie Hancock on the piano, Detroit's own, Ferndale's own, Ron Carter on the bass, and uh, Mickey Roker is playing the drums. That, from the album called Speak Like a Child, came out back in 1967, and most of that record is with horn sections and some wonderful, wonderful charts. That's the trio tune. Yeah. And uh, I love that tune, and you were talking, Chris, you were just saying that... uh, it seems like he was finding sort of a new center when he was doing that. Yeah, well, you know, like like so many great musicians, especially as prolific as Herbie from such an early age, just constant evolution every single record, you know. And speaking like a child, you know, most people are really struck by the harmonic language yes. of the arrangements and the tune. And, in fact, we were talking about the high-lows. I remember also, you know, just because I knew Claire, um, you know, uh, Herbie Fish- talked about Claire Fisher's writing sure. all oh, the yes. time as a heavy influence, yeah. right? And uh, um, you can hear it on that record in, in real bulk form. But when I listen to the this trio cut, I'm always reminded of just, uh, uh, well, like like any great jazz musician, any great musician, there's this there's this taste, there's this center in the tradition and the language, and there's this um, there, there's this uh, uh, selective quality uh, about this trio recording where it's not just more, m- more, more, and more and more. It is about uh, sort of distilling things to its yeah. essence, and you know, it shows you uh, that that uh, the depth of Herbie and his control over who he is and his language, and when the setting changes and the vibe changes, he he changes. He, he adjusts musically. Yeah. It's not just I'm doing this thing and that's what it's going to be. Because all of a sudden this shows up on Speak Like a Child, and you're like, geez, this is like got a different center to it. Yeah. You know? John Penny here on Jazz Fest Detroit with Chris Collins, uh, the president of the Detroit Jazz Festival. We are talking all things Jazz Festival this evening. And, uh, Chris, there's so much that I want to talk to you about. We don't have as much time as I would like. Uh, But let's go through some of the music here because there are some events on this schedule which I'm uh, very excited about. One of them uh, is 
the Manhattan transfer and take six. Yeah, dig it. Both so, of them together, man. The summit, they call it. Yeah, they did this once, I think, in, in 26. I, I'm not sure what a year was, but they, they did it some time ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the Manhattan transfer, it's sort of a, a coming out uh, in the, after they lost Tim Hauser, after yes. we lost Tim Hauser. Indeed. Uh, it took them a while. They couldn't, you're not going to find a replacement for him, but to find somebody else who could fit in that group mm. and, you know, take them where they wanted to go. Um, so, and they're, and they're just all so musical. I mean, I've oh, yeah. been following and hanging with those guys for a long time. And, you know, two groups that, you know, that, again, the depth of the tradition is there. That's, yeah. and everybody always asks me, you know, what is jazz when we talk about who do we select for the festival, real, real jazz festival? Well, it's that foundation. It's that common language that's very clear when it's there and very noticeable when it's not. not. And yeah. so you take a group like Manhattan Transfer and, and, and a very different kind of vocal group, Take Six, and they're able to produce something together that they both own. It's a true fusion of their styles, and it can happen because of the common language they share in this music, and yeah. that's what makes great jazz great. And I have to tell my Take Six story. I mean, I was working for the record company. I was working for WIA, Warner Electric Atlantic, and, of course, Take Six was signed to Reprise, and we'd have a sales meeting uh, every week, and the promo guys would come in and tell us what they were working and what they wanted us to sell and so forth. So this one week... Uh, the repeat guy came in uh, with these six guys uh, and explained uh, that there was a record coming out and said, here they are. And they stood up and they sang a cappella oh, in our sales meeting. And it Killing. just blew me yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, and they can do pretty much whatever they want. Okay, Amazing. we're going to see them. When is that performance? I'm uh, they are the on Saturday the 4th at uh, 920 at night at the Carhartt Amphitheater there it stage. Is. Yep. Now, there's another one that's really interesting to me. I thought initially that it said uh, Kurt Elling's big band, <laughs> but no. it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's very cool. Tell us about this. The Big Blind, and yeah. uh, Kurt Elling wrote this piece. It was a, a work of passion for him, and Dee Dee will be on that along with several other uh, guests along the way, but it's uh, or string orchestra, jazz fest string orchestra with the jazz fest uh, uh, big band orchestra um, along with Kurt and his band and all kinds of special stuff. But if you can imagine, first time I think anyone's ever done it this way, it's a, um, a two-hour show wow. with an intermission. It has a dramatic storyline that weaves through it, although it's primarily performances. I don't want to, it's not a play or anything, but it is this vision of Kurtz that, that tells the story. I won't get too deep into it, but basically, um, you know, uh, from a musician's perspective, kind of a lifestyle story. And this whole thing kind of unfolds as you hear the performances over a couple hours' time. And to have something like this, again, at a jazz festival is quite unique, but I think people uh, are really going to dig it. It's very special. I'm looking forward to it. Of course, the problem is going to be, which show do you not see? You know, which is always the case down at the jazz festival. In fact, festival. we have uh, Kurt Elling's going to be on our um, jazz, jazz Chat Live, which is a show we do uh, 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 Tuesdays throughout the month, and he'll be on on the 10th of August at 7 p.m., and you can go to the DetroitJazzFest.org, and it's free registration, but you do register because it's on the Zoom uh, uh, format. And he and his musical director, uh, Brian Farina, who's from uh, the Detroit area, yeah, they're going to be on together talking about this, and people can um, ask questions live in real time during the show. So 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday the 10th. So it's a good opportunity to hear a little bit more about what this show is all about. That's going to be really exciting. And of course, we have Detroit's own Kenny Barrett, Garrett, yes, Kenny Barrett, Kenny, Kenny Garrett, uh, who is coming back. I mean, he's one of these guys uh, that we've seen grow up. I mean, oh, he, I asked him last time he was here, um, 
don't remember how long ago it was, but you know, when was the first time he played at the Jazz Festival? Of course, it was Marcus. Mm. He played with Marcus Belgrave. Um, and uh, he's got a new project coming out. I'm, it's going to come out the week end. And that's what we're going to hear festival. at the festival. Yeah, yep. so I'm looking forward uh, to exciting. hearing that. But I do want to take a moment. You brought it up, mentioned it before, but I want to talk about the folks who go down to the festival to work. Mm-hmm. The crew. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I always consider myself to be uh, a member of the crew. Absolutely. I work for the stage manager. Whatever makes his job easier or her job easier, that's what I'm there to do. You know? It's beautiful, man. And, uh, you know, it just I just posted something on the other day uh, about, you know, for every maybe two people that you see on stage, there's maybe 20 oh, yeah. behind hundreds it. Hundreds and hundreds of craftsmen, the, the IATSE union crew, our stage crew, uh, Paxel's our production company. Uh, you, also, you know, when we, we talk about our sponsors, you know, once again, we're fortunate. It's Detroit Jazz Festival presented by Rocket Mortgage. And I don't say that lightly because these companies come up with their volunteer squads that become part of the Jazz Fest volunteers. Right. So then you have that whole crew as well. You know, when, when we did the Miracle at the Marriott last year, yeah. um, between the artists and the crew, you know, we, we had about 250 people uh, working in, within that bubble, which is reduced as we could make it. So you can imagine we do this outside the hundreds oh, yeah. and hundreds of people. And by the way, the the incredible setup. I mean, this we we set up a week before. Exactly. That's know. what I wanted. When you know, when everybody else is out partying at the end of it, they're breaking it down and working. And Until three for or four a in the week, morning. Yeah. yeah. And a, yeah. for a week before anybody shows up to have fun, they're setting up the site. And uh, fortunately, it's a crew. A lot of these guys and gals have been working the jazz festival for a very long time. So you've got a lot of experience there. We do. Without which I don't think uh, it would happen. And see so. their, the, the incredible creativity and flexibility we saw last year. Yeah. We're going to see it again because in addition to everything you just mentioned, you know, we have all these onstage protocols for safety for the artists, disinfecting yeah. and cleaning things and spraying things and, uh, you know, isolating the artists in new ways. And, uh, you know, the whole team has to shift to that, man. And uh, it's, it, when you say it, it sounds quick and easy, but we no, all know no. it isn't. It's a huge process, yeah. and it has to be carefully thought out and then well executed. All right. There's one final thing um, I want to talk about. I wish we had more time. Ah, we, so got, we, have, could, we have a little time. I could play yeah. more music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want me to play one more piece of music? Do and it. Then we can do talk? it. I'll all right. hang out. Because what I wanted to do, longer. we were yeah. talking we were talking about uh, Manhattan Transfer, and about how uh, after we lost Tim Hauser, mm. that was a very, very difficult period. And it's not like uh, they were looking to replace him. You can't replace him. But to find somebody who could fit with him. Mm. And they finally did. And it was uh, a year or two ago uh, when they finally put out a record of the new Manhattan transfer. And it sounded something like this. <laughs>
Dixie, the rhythm keeps flowing, the drips in MC. Sweet sugar pop, sugar pop, pop, so pop, you don't stop till the sweet beat drops. I show a groove as I stick and move, every pause you side and I'll have a groove. Smooth life, floating like a butterfly, looks that are flown, sun like a lullaby, brace yourself as the beat hits ya. Drip, drip, flip, fantasia. On Jazz Fest Detroit, that's the Manhattan Transfer, the uh, comeback record that they made after uh, we lost Tim Hauser. The Junction is the name of it, and they called that tune Cantaloupe, a variation on Cantaloupe Island. Of course, our Herbie Hancock tune, and Herbie Hancock is going to be at the Jazz Festival, and the Manhattan Transfer is going to be there performing with Take Six. 
that's going to be a jam, Chris Collins, that I just, I can't, you know. Of course, I don't know if I'm going to see it. I never know where I'm going to be because you guys tell me where I'm going to be. Well, keep your app handy. <laughs> Detroit Jazz Fest Live. You can sh- you know, check any of the four stages in real time. You can't miss a thing. Yeah. Well, you know, but uh, usually i got to pay attention to whatever's going well, on on the stage. True. I'm working, you know, it's because, like, stuff happens. You are working. That's yes. true. Yeah, stuff happens. <laughs> anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, but we were talking about uh, how this group particularly and how others, you know, can approach music that may have been done to death, mm. but can bring something new and creative to it. New and beautiful, and, you know, that we were talking, we were suggesting about education a bit. I mean, there's yeah. there's the lesson to be had. Yeah. And on top of it all, the main tenant of music and of jazz is met here. It is grooving, man. That band sounds comfortable, relaxed. Right. They, you want to dance. There's nothing that feels out of place. And as, as often happens these days, the only way you get that is by, like, producing the crap out of a band. Yeah. Here... Uh, as you said yourself, uh, you can hear Manhattan Transfer or Take Six on the corner of a street or live in your living room, and they're going to sound sound like that. that you yeah. know. Well, and you mentioned the rhythm too, because I mean, you can take the same tempo, and you can have one band that sounds like they're flailing, yeah, and have another band, and they're just sitting in the pocket, in the pocket, baby, just doing it. Uh, Chris Collins, the one thing we have not talked about—that's a very important component mm-hmm. of uh, the Jazz Festival and the Jazz Festival Foundation—is education. Uh, so I know that you're having the collegiate um, finals. I think is that happening, or is that happened? That, that's right. No, no, no. We we had our uh, collegiate, our national collegiate combo competition, which is this year presented by Bingham Legal and Central Michigan University, and uh, the finals are coming up this week. So there's four ensembles from New York and Pennsylvania and Temple and Michigan, and uh, they're all um, uh, they'll be performing at the Dirty Dog on Thursday, the fifth. Uh, Thursday the 5th? Yes, Thursday That's the 5th. That's this Thursday, yes. Uh, both sets. There's two bands in each set. There'll be a, a panel of professional judges. In fact, on Wednesday, we have um, our, our great all-stars, uh, Mike Deese and myself, along with uh, Cliff Monier and Sean Dobbins and Nick Calandro. We're doing, as we always do, stuff stuff that tributes Curtis Fuller and Pepper Adams and all. So we'll play that on Wednesday. Then uh, we'll have the finals of the uh, Collegiate Combo Competition on Thursday. And I'm here to tell you, I mean, we, we've been getting, you know, incredible incredible applicants and then on friday the winner plays a whole night on friday at the dog and then saturday the all-stars will be back but then you'll be able to see that group at the detroit jazz festival as as we said every year in addition to that you know because so many uh colleges and in high schools you know they haven't been able to rehearse man Uh, yeah they haven't had bands so we want to do some things that made sense and were safe so we do have one high school showcase on on monday Uh, we'll bring some of the uh, outstanding uh, high school musicians together. But um, we also have a very special thing. Uh, Keon Harold, a great trumpet player who's playing uh, a feature set at the festival, uh, Jazz and the Birth of Hip Hop. He's our untitled artist this year. And he's going to be working with a band where I thought, okay, colleges, we, we haven't got them together. So what we're going to do, we went to the universities in our area and we said, recommend your top players i want to know who they are and i checked them out and we d- dug into them and we put together a big band of some of the best musicians from wayne state and michigan state and around around uh U- university of michigan and uh, they're going to be all playing together on keon's music on monday oh, and great. so it brings all the best cats together and this is what we do right we put people together and if education if we can't the institutions it isn't quite working this year we're going to try to do some things that, um, if nothing else, introduce the great cats to the other great cats. And, hey, man, they can see where they fit in the mix. You dig? <laughs> I love it. Chris Collins, I can't tell you how great it is to have you here live in the studio. Joy's uh, To uh, share stories about the music, 
and to be looking forward to a live Detroit Jazz Festival, the 42nd annual, coming up on Labor Day weekend. I know you've got a bolt because you've got something you've got to do, but is there anything else that you want to say before you leave today? Just keep an eye on DetroitJazzFest.org. Uh, we've done some incredibly flexible things yeah. with the VIP passes and VIP seating and what we call the Lincoln Garden Experience. So this year you don't have to buy all four days. You can just, that one day where you know you want to see so-and-so up front and personal, you can get a jazz pass and sit at all the stages right down front, or you can get the Lincoln Garden experience that you can just pick by day, or the opening night experience. If you want to be a VIP, you can just pick that day. And this allows more people at a more affordable price to have that special VIP experience. And then lastly, watch our our, um, our website and also our, our Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. We'll be communicating as we go through these challenging, Crazy evolving times. days. Yeah. Um, if things uh, move around and evolve, we're going to stay around top of it. We're working with experts at the state and and uh, local level and watching all the CDC stuff along with some consultants we have in the medical field. So we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on it and do what we can. But at this point, uh, we're feeling very optimistic. Everything's in place. Uh, the city's very excited, as are we. And we can't wait to see all of you downtown yes. September 3rd through 6th for some beautiful jazz and some beautiful community spirit. Man. I can't wait to be there myself. Chris Collins, thank you so much for making time uh, to come down tonight. And uh, we will. I know you're going through some serious challenges right now. Uh, but if anybody can pull them off, you and your crew well, musicians will we know, know we're, that we're playing in the cracks right it's now. called jazz man i mean you make it up as you go along uh but i thought as you left tonight since we were talking about it turn Marty alexander is coming because yeah. uh, abdullah ibrahim can't make it and Marty, you were talking about how he, he called you just to talk about how important his time with milt jackson was and it just so happened that i happened to bring down with me this evening a recording uh with milt jackson and Monty Alexander. Wonderful. And Ray Brown and Teddy Edwards oh, and Dick Burke. This was recorded live at Shelley's Manhole from 1969. Chris Collins from the Detroit Jazz Festival. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the wheeling and dealing that you do. Thank you.